down, be quiet. I mean, it's actually, it's good to come in and hear all of that noise going on. I think it is. I know that some people find that difficult, but for me, it's great because that's what families are like, aren't they? They get together after a while and they want to talk, they want to chat, they want to greet each other, they want to say, hi, it's great to see you. And that is the case. It is good to see you all. Now, I know that some of you may well have come for a baptism this morning. I'm sorry to say there's not going to be a baptism this morning. Fiona Fiona is is thinking uh, and having to ask some questions of herself, and that's fine, that's good. We want people to come when they're ready, so we're hoping that she will come later on at some other date and, and... and want to to be baptised. So, we're going to have an ordinary... An ordinary? Well, a very special service, because they're all special uh, when we come before the Lord. And we're going to start this morning. You heard that voluntary that was being played, and that's what we're going to sing now. So, oh God, beyond all praising, we worship you today. I, I, I like those words. I like... Well, I like all the words, but I like the idea that God is beyond all praising. God is fantastic. God is so special. God is so loving, so concerned for us that the great God who made everything is with us and he's here with us now. And that's, that's lovely. And that's beyond all our praising. But let's stand and sing this together and then afterwards we'll pray together. Holy Father, thank you, Father. Thank you for so many good things. Thank you for music, Lord, and for joy and the joy of that song that we've sung together. Father, thank you that we can be lifted up and reminded of you and your great love to us and and want to praise you even though as we've sung, Father, we really can't give you the praise that's due to you. But Lord, we come into your presence now. We're never out of your presence, I know that, but in a very special way we come to focus on you. Lord Jesus, we come to focus on your love to us and on what you show us of your Father. And we pray, Lord, that you will help us to look and see and recognise your Father and seek after you and reach out for you and find you. Father, this is a special time. Thank you for this special time. Lord, we should have had a baptism, as you know, and... uh, And so we bring Fiona to you and we pray that you will be with her and bless her. Uh, We don't know what's going on in her mind, but we pray that whatever happens, you will bring her close to you. In whatever way is right for her and pleasing in your sight, Lord, bring her close to you. And bring us all close now and bless me in leading this service and help us to honour you. Lord, thank you. Amen. We're going to take up our collections now. While we're doing we're going to have some uh, announcements. But let me just talk to you about these collections because they're important. 
the first one, which is the, the red bag here, is for the general uh, expenses. The brown bag is for the Pakistan Disaster Appeal. Now, you've seen on the, on the news all the problems that people are going through and so on. So, bear that in mind and, and recognise that it's part of our service to God to help others. So, here's the collections now. So, Care News, our prayer theme for August is those who show Jesus to others through a caring profession. We've already thought about the, uh, the millions of people affected by the floods in Pakistan and we pray for God's comforting arm to be around them. We also pray for those who have been on camp and we pray that the spiritual lessons and friendships that have been developed might continue through the weeks and months ahead. We've thought about Fiona and we remember her who, after some thought, has decided not to be baptised at the current time. She's also decided not to attend church for the time being, and she's asked that we give her some spiritual time and space. Mark and Elaine are hoping to have her round on Monday evening and to keep contact on a regular basis, and we pray that this will happen. Uh, We pray for Johnny and Esther and the children, Trevor, Debbie and Ben, in their new adventure, Living Together. Uh, We also pray that Dave and Lizzie will settle into their new house. Hope it went well yesterday. We've had a card from Rebecca and Julian thanking the church for the flowers that we sent after Edwin was born, and that will be on the notice board at the back shortly. We don't have anything else specific, but we always remember our brothers and sisters we don't see very often, and those with ongoing health issues, and also, of course, John, Banani and the Congo Let's uh, pray together. Just stay where you are. Almighty God, we come before you now with with many different things in our minds and on our hearts. Lord, we pray that you'll bless the event that we've planned for this afternoon, the cafe. We pray that you will send people to us and that they will see some of your love and your, your grace and mercy through what we what we do this afternoon. We pray that, that we will welcome them and embrace them with your love. Lord, we pray too for people who are struggling and suffering difficulties. There are so many people affected by floods in Pakistan that we can't really comprehend the numbers. But Lord, we know that you you are familiar with each one and you feel the pain and the discomfort of each person and we pray that you will you will reach out and comfort them and be be with the aid organisations that are working out there help the government to to do the job it needs to do that people will be comforted and, and given the things that they need to live things that we take for granted but which have been washed away We pray too for uh, for changes at, here at the Bethel. We pray that Johnny Esther and the children will settle in with Trevor and Debbie and Ben, and that that will that will all work out well. And we pray too for Dave and Lizzie in their new house, and that that will be a blessing to them and to us. We pray for Ben and Debbie Downer and Lucy.
not seen them for a long time, many of us, and we pray that you will you will help them, you will give them strength, that you will encourage their faith. And Lord, we pray that we will be able to to make contact and give them support to spend struggles with a broken leg and as Lucy goes to university. We pray for Christine's friend Mary, that you will help her, that you will give her strength and that Christine will be able to help her and support her too. We pray for Valerie, Lionel's sister, and for Lionel, that you will comfort and and support them. We pray too for John in his travelling and that he will be an encouragement and be encouraged by his trip to Burundi. And Lord, we pray for Malcolm's joints and that you will ease the pain and we thank you for the help that he's able to receive and the comfort through the skilled hands of of people here and elsewhere. Lord, be with us now and bless us in Jesus. Amen. It's just like home here, you know, people are sort of fluttering about and moving about and moving kids here and there and and dealing with this and dealing with that. And that's lovely, that's right, that's what this is. This is this is family. And family always has a dad and we have a glorious dad. So we're going to sing to our dad now. Faithful God. God never lets us down. He he's always here with us. We might feel at times that he lets us down or he doesn't seem to know or doesn't seem to care about what's happening to us. Let me tell you, let me reassure you, he does. He knows everything. He knows all your thoughts, all your worries and concerns and all your joys. He's a faithful God. So let's sing this a couple of times. Thank you. We're going to take a reading. It's one of our readings for the day. We're going to have a couple of readings, but we're, we're going to have the, the second one towards the end of the service. But the first one is, is from uh, the first chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And Rosie is going to come forward and lead us in that reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. One Corinthians chapter one. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will keep you strong to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son Jesus Christ our Lord, is faithful. 
I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another, so there may be no divisions among you, and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are, are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul, another, I follow Apollos, another, I follow Cephas, and still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptised into the name of Paul? I am thankful that I did not baptise any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptised into my name. Yes, I also baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel, not with words of human wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Thank you, Rosie. We're going to sing now again before we, before you, you listen to what I have to say to you. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. He is exalted forever and I will praise his name. Thank you. It's always, it's always great to be up here, you know. I'm in a very privileged position because I get to hear you in a way that you perhaps don't. And, and it's, oh, it's always good to, to be up here. You know, this morning, when, when Andy was going to come up and, 
uh, give the announcements I was going to say. Will St. Andrew come up and give us the announcements? (laughs) You see, you chuckle. Well, something even more chucklified, I think, is I thought Alex was doing it and St. Alex is going to come up and do it. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, that's right. That's right. It is St. Andrew and St. Alex and um, St. whoever, whatever. It is. Look, come to Corinthians. Come to Corinthians with me. There's just a little verse that I'm looking at today in Corinthians and it's right and it's about us and this is what the Apostle Paul feels about us. Paul is writing here to the Corinthian church. What could you say about the Corinthian church? What's the one word that that describes the Corinthian church? Hands up. A mess. That's a great word that is, a mess. It was a mess. And look what he says. He says, oh, I've got my glasses here. I'm in a mess too. So. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes. And this is who he's writing to. He says, writing to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be holy. Actually, it doesn't say that. He says it here in in the NIV, that's right. But it it doesn't actually say that. What it says in the original, it says this, it says, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called saints. To be is not there. Those called saints. That's quite sobering, isn't it? Um, It's quite amazing too, isn't it, that that we are called saints. That's what we are. That's what the the, uh, members of the Corinthian church were. The people who were in a mess were called saints. So, brothers and sisters, when you talk to each other, remember that you're talking to a saint. That is quite sobering, isn't it? And when you talk about each other, and I'm not saying that talking about each other is wrong, it all depends on what it is and how you're doing it and what your motivation is, all the rest of it. But when you're talking about each other, remember, you are talking about saints. To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. They're saints in the anointed Lord Jesus. The Lord has called you into his family. That's why I said this morning, you know, we're a family and that's what it's all about. And we're together in this and we're, we're called together to not just to be saints, but we are saints in Christ. So, it's not about you saying, um, I'm of John, or I'm of Jack, or I'm of Pete, or even, I'm of the Christadelphians. It's not that, it's, I'm of Christ. I think that's 
Oh, here it is. Here it is again. Sorry about that. So I do apologise because I always say this. I was going to say, I think that's ever so important. I know Ruth goes on at me about saying, you always say it's important. Listen, I'm telling you, and there are people at the back there laughing at me for this. It is important. It's vital. You are in Christ. That's what it's about. It's not about the church. The church is the people and the people are important and they are fellow saints with you. But it's not about anything else. It's you're in Christ. You're baptised into Christ. You're, what did he say? He says, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus. What sanctified mean? Well, it's obviously related to the word saint, isn't it? Sanctified. If you're sanctified, you become a saint. Isn't that right? Um, it, it means things like made holy, um, purified. The, a word I like very much is the word consecrated. You you come across the word consecrated, consecrated to something for a particular reason, you know, and that's what being sanctified is about. I want you to come back with me to Exodus chapter 19. I'm not going to jump about too much, or at least I hope not, but there are some passages which I think are very useful to understand. And the idea of saints, and being sanctified is not a New Testament one, it's one that goes right through the Old Testament. If you have any time to look up the word saint in a concordance or something, you will find loads and loads of references in the Old Testament. Old Testament. Anyway, in, in chapter 19 of Exodus, this is when the people have come to Mount Sinai to receive, first of all, well, it's the Ten Commandments, isn't it? But it's, it's the law of Moses. And... God says something to them that's very special. He says in verse 10, he says this, in chapter 19 of Exodus, verse 10, And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them. That's the same equivalent Hebrew word to the Greek word uh, sanctified. I'm not even sure that in the AV it might not be sanctified. It might well be. But he says... To Moses, go to the people and consecrate or sanctify them today and tomorrow. Make them wash their clothes. Now that seems to be a part of the idea, washing clothes. Of course, washing clothes doesn't make me a saint or you a saint, but there's the idea of washing something away or, or doing something to you that changes you. Okay, It goes on in verse 11. And be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. He says, look, sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves, because I'm coming. That's what he's saying. Be sanctified because I'm coming. Okay, go over to uh, Leviticus chapter 20. This is about uh, well punishment for sins. It has at the top of the, uh, the chapter, but we're just going to have a look at um, 
just one little verse and he's obviously talking to the people of Israel and he's sort of saying, look, you've got to listen to me and you've got to keep my decrees and so on. And he says in verse 8, keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. Makes you holy is that same word who consecrates you, who sanctifies you. I am the Lord that sanctifies you. See, what is sanctifying? What is it about? You're sanctified. You're saints. What happened to you that made you sanctified? How is it that you are sanctified as opposed to anyone else? I mean, this is the question I'm asking. I'm not altogether sure if I've got a complete answer, but um, I want to get your brains going. I want to get you thinking about it and what goes on and why it is like that. And judging from those two readings that we read there, it seems to be that it's something to do with the presence of God. That's what it seems to have something to do with. The presence of God. Objects were sanctified in the Old Testament uh, to be used in uh, the tabernacle and in the, in the temple. All sorts of objects were sanctified in special ritualistic ways to be used in God's house, in God's presence. And priests, of course, were sanctified, consecrated to work in God's house, to work in God's presence. Sanctified seems to mean things like consecration or consecrate or set apart or dedicated. And they're dedicated not only for the Lord, they're dedicated by the Lord. He said it there, I am the Lord who makes you holy. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. If you're in my presence, if you're with me, I sanctify you. It's not that you are sanctified on your own somehow, or that just, just by sort of thinking about it, or even going through the waters of baptism. That is not what sanctifies you. It's a ritual. It's an important ritual. It's something whereby we can look back and sort of say, I am part of this. I committed myself to the Lord. But at the end of the day, the thing that sanctifies you is the Lord. And being in his presence. Come back to uh, <coughs> Corinthians <coughs> um, because it seems to me that Paul links it with something else. If, if you have a look at uh, a Greek-English version of the scriptures, you'll see that, uh, and, and if you're able to look at the Greek, listen, listen, there are people here who know a, a, a smattering of Greek, you know. I'm not one of them. I don't know any Greek at all, all right? So, so don't worry about that. But what I do know is, I know something about um, full stops. So I, I look at a sentence and I think, goodness me, where's the full stop in this? And, and it goes on and on. Paul 
seem to write in very long sentences. That's interesting. Oh, sorry about that. That is interesting because it actually shows you what he's linking together. Let me, I, mean, I can't read a, a whole sentence because I'm not quite sure where it finishes in my Bible. But let me just, uh, look, verse 2 he says, this is, this is all one sentence. To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's at least, it's at least all of that. And there might be some more, I'm not quite sure, but it's a long sentence, isn't it? But you see what he's doing? He's linking ideas together. He's saying, you're sanctified in Jesus. You're a saint. Wow. With everybody who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of it. That's part of the whole. It's almost as if being a saint requires the presence of the Lord and, and I'm quite happy with that. I mean, now don't get me wrong, I'm not aware as I'm doing all my daily things of the Lord being with me all the time. It doesn't work quite like that. And, I, and there are times when I forget the Lord and uh, other times when I'm much more mindful of him. But he's there. He's got to be there. But then he says, everyone who calls on him. Now, it seems to me that the importance of that is that you could sort of say, um, God is here. He's, he's around me all the time because he's everywhere. But if I don't actually call on him, if I don't actually talk to him, if I don't focus on him, he might as well be somewhere else. A saint is someone who calls on the Lord. It's interesting in the Old Testament because uh, it talks about calling on the name of the Lord. It goes right back to, to Genesis and we're not going to look at those passages but there are some passages when they first started to call on the name of the Lord and, and there are other passages too. But there's a couple of Psalms and you would expect it in the Psalms, wouldn't you? People praying, people talking to God uh, and there are some delightful ideas in Psalms but there, there's two in particular that I just want to sort of bring your attention to. One I've used before and talked about before but I think is is, is lovely. Um, <clears throat> it's in Psalm 51, no, 50, Psalm 50, and uh, it's not a psalm of David, it's a psalm of a guy called Asaph. Um, you may have heard of Asaph, or you may not have heard of Asaph, don't worry about it. Asaph was a guy who was, was a musician, and, and in, in the time of David, he was, he was organising music, and singers and, and things like, like we've had today, you know, all of this sort of stuff is, is Asaph's territory, you know. He liked singing, he liked joyfulness and stuff, but he also wrote psalms. He obviously wrote psalms because my guess is they were songs, they were sung, you know. And one of them is this, 
chapter 15. And he says in verse 14, Sacrifice thank offerings to God. Fulfill your vows to the Most High and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you will honour me. I know I've said this before, but but you see you see the point. What he's saying, he's saying, if you call to me when you've got a problem, you're honouring me. You're sort of saying, you're the one who can save me. You're the one who who is able to help me. You're honouring me. If you call to me out of trouble, I think that's very powerful. But I don't think it's just at that time. Come over with me to Psalm 145. And just a couple of verses there. Psalm 145, and this is a psalm of David, and he says in verse 17, The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and loving toward all he has made. Verse 18, The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is near to those who call on him. The Lord is near to those who talk to him. If you don't talk to him, he's not near. Now, I don't think that means that God abandons people because they don't talk to him. Um, He is concerned and he he works in their lives usually to to turn them around and bring them to him and so on. But he is saying, look, if you come to me and talk to me, I'll be near you. It's like um, Sylvia and I were talking the other day about seeking and um, seek the Lord and you'll find him. But you won't find him if you don't seek him. You've got to do something. It's not that you're passive and God is actively, he is actively looking for you. He is actively seeking for you and seeking to, to motivate you and so on. But it's, it's not all in God's lap, you know. You, he wants you to do something. Not good works, I mean he does in the end, but that's not because you're earning something. But he wants you to seek him, he wants you to come, he wants you to talk to him. That's what he wants. And that is what I think the psalmist here is talking about. Come with me to the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, because in Joel, there's a passage about calling on the name of the Lord. And in Acts chapter 2, Peter picks it up. What I find interesting about this is that Peter picks it up and then Paul runs with it in a couple of other places. Uh, In verse 15 it says, some of the people, this this is on the day of Pentecost. You remember when the the Spirit comes down on them and they start to speak in tongues or or whatever. And um, some men say, oh, these men are drunk. And Peter, wanting to sort of, 
clarify the situation and sort of say to them, no, you've got it wrong, it's not about that. He says in verse 16, no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And that's where Peter starts. But it seems to me that that's not really what Peter wants to talk about. That's a way in. That's all. It's a way in that the people around him have given him. These people are drunk. They say, no, it's not that. It's, as Joel says, it's the spirit working. And then he quotes a, a chunk from, from Joel and he, he goes right down to verse 21. And, and to some degree you would think, well, after verse 18, that is the spirit bit, you know, wh- why is he quoting some more? Because the thing he really wants to talk about is in verse 21. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Goodness. Not only saying that to be a saint you've got to talk to God. He's saying to be saved you've got to talk to God. Now, Joel you see the word Lord there. If you go back into Joel, we're not going to do it, but if you dig go back, you'll see that it's spelled capital L, capital O-R-D. So that's the word Yahweh. Joel was sort of saying, you've got to call on the name of Yahweh. Now Peter picks it up and he quotes it, but he twists it around and saying, no, we're not talking about Yahweh here. Well, we are actually. But we're talking about Jesus. You see, the person of Yahweh, the person of God, is in Jesus. That's where we find him. But look, if you go to verse 36, it says, that he's gone through, he's been talking about Jesus of Nazareth, verse 22. Men of Israel, listen to me. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God, by miracles and so on. And he's, he's sort of saying, he's beginning to get into his theme, into what he's really talking about, calling on the name of the Lord. Ah, well... Uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Let me talk to you about Jesus of Nazareth. He comes right down and when he gets to verse 36 he says, Therefore let Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, he's redirecting it to Jesus. Now, Paul picks that up in um, Romans chapter 10. He spends quite a long time with it. Well, he spends a long time with the idea in actually quoting something from uh, Deuteronomy. I don't want you to turn to Deuteronomy, but I will turn to it. And just In Deuteronomy chapter 30, I mean turn to it if you want to, but uh, Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses says this to the people. He'd been talking to them about the law and the commandment and everything else. And he says this. Now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. I've talked about this before, I know. It's a passion of mine and you just have to bear with it and go with it. No, don't bear with it. Listen to it. Take it on board. Remember it. It's important. Sorry about that, but it is important. Look, he's saying, it's not too difficult for you. It's not beyond your reach. Now, that little passage, Paul takes 
in Romans chapter 10 and he develops it in the same sort of way that Peter does. And he's saying, now, he's saying, I'm not talking about the command, that is the law of Moses. I'm now talking about Jesus. Look, he says, uh, Moses said in verse 5 of uh, chapter 10 of Romans, says, Moses described it in this way, the righteousness that is by the law, the man who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven. He says, don't sort of think who will ascend into heaven. In Deuteronomy, he says the command is not in heaven, it's not up there. And Paul is saying, look, Jesus is not up there, out of your reach. And then he says, um, he's not in the deep, in, in Deuteronomy, Moses says, he's not across the other side of the sea, that is the command, it's not that far away, so that you have to send somebody over there to come back and bring it back to you. It's not like that. And Paul picks it up and sort of says, look, Jesus is not in the deep, right, the sea, he's not in the grave dead, He's near you, he says in verse 8. He's near you. And he talks about Jesus is Lord in verse 9. And then right at the end he says, verse 12, for there is no difference between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of them, of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. If you want a blessing, if you want salvation, then you've got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just sort of saying, I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. It's not that. It's about actually talking to the Lord. He goes on, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Look, I, I know that all of you, most of you, some of you are baptised and, and committed in that sense but that's why I'm saying this because I know I'm like you I forget sometimes, I, I get lazy I, I sort of praying is a difficult thing I don't find it easy and do you know why I do so much talking sorry, speaking I do do a lot of talking but uh, speaking because I think the Lord is actually saying to me John, you've got to come back and talk to me and I find when I'm preparing, I get lost, I get panicky, and I, I, I stop and I think, Lord, help me with this. I don't know where I'm going, I don't know what my thing is. No, help me, Lord. That's what it's about. When you've got problems in your life and things are going wrong or, or whatever, and, and you, say, you say to God, oh, I don't know what to do, Lord. I, that's what it's about. He's bringing you, he wants you to call on his name. He wants you to realise that he's not out of reach and he richly blesses all those who call on him. Well, fellow saints, St. Andrew and uh, St. whatever, how do you feel this morning as saints? You're saints. Not to be saints, but your saints. What does it make you feel? Does it make you feel anything or nothing at all? Does it make you sort of 
say in your in your head? Mm, I'm really not sure if I'm, that applies to me or or not. Is is that what you feel? These people were in a mess, but Paul the apostle called them saints. You might be in a mess, but I'm calling you saint. But to be a saint, you need to be in his presence. And you need to come and talk to him. To the church of God in Old Trafford or wherever you are, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called saints, together with all those everywhere, who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. And in Jesus, we see the person of God. Let's sing together. If we miss God in Jesus, we've missed the point. I know I've said that lots of times, but that is the case. We've missed the point. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to show us God. He came to bring the person of God into our lives. God is here with us, of course. Of course, Father, you are. But he shows us himself in Jesus in a very special way. Jesus, you are the radiance of the Father's glory. You are the Son the appointed heir through whom all things were made. You are the one who sustains all things by your wonderful power. You have purified us. You are exalted, O Lord, to the right hand of God. Let's sing this together. Lord Jesus, I know that you're here. I know that. And I'm hoping now that these people know it too, Lord. So, brothers and sisters, when we come now to break this bread, we break it in remembrance of Jesus. Not a dead Jesus, a living Jesus. Not a suffering Jesus, a Jesus who is working in your life and mine, who is bringing you close to his Father. A Jesus who, through you, wants to bring others close to. Let's remember this living Lord now in breaking bread. And Andrew Campion is going to lead us in thanks for this. Holy Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time together when we can just draw away from everyday things and think of the momentous power in the cross that Paul talked to us about and how your son Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are alongside each one of us. But so often, Lord, we ignore you, we turn our back on you, but you're still there. Help us to think about these things this morning now. Lord God, we thank you for all 
your love and mercy that Jesus showed to each one of us and that this bread reminds us now of that fantastic love and mercy that you want us to be saints you want us to be special people not just to enjoy things but to tell others too of your wonderful love and the plans that you have for this whole earth so now we we thank you Father and help us to think more about holding on to that first love when we committed ourselves to you let's not lose that first love Father although we do so much let us be motivated by a love of you because you and your son Jesus love us so much Amen and the wine is a celebration of life a celebration of the life Jesus lived on the earth and a celebration of the life he lives in us now. Neil is going to lead our thanks for us. Father, thank you <coughs> for this time we can spend in your presence. Lord Jesus, thank you that you instituted this simple little meal which reminds us of what you've done for us, which helps us to focus on you and, and reminds us that we sit and we stand in your presence. Thank you for what you did for us. This, this wine reminds us of your blood shed for us that if we acknowledge our need for you and we acknowledge our sins, we can call out to you and and you do make us holy. Well, please bless us as we share it, and uh, fill us with your your spirit. Help us, help us to be aware of your presence more often. And as we sit now in your presence and share this, we pray for your peace and your blessing on us all. Amen. Thank you, Neil. As we sit here in your presence, be aware of his presence now as you, all of you, take from this cup. We've been talking about prayer, calling on the name of the Lord. Uh, we're going to read one now, and it's from the first book of Kings. Um, I always find this odd because this is Solomon's prayer, prayer of dedication of the temple, and Solomon goes awry later on in his life. Um, perhaps it's always happening to some degree. But <clears throat> I suppose for that reason I find it strange that such a lovely prayer comes from him. I want you to listen carefully to what he prays for, or rather who he prays for, and see the diversity of people, the people with all sorts of problems, and not even just Israelites, but others as well. It's a, it's a lovely prayer. And he talks about when people turn to this house, to this temple, and pray, and call on your name, then listen to them. Uh, well, we, we don't turn east towards the temple or where the temple stood. It's about focusing on the Lord. When we focus on the Lord, the Lord hears us. 
and blesses. And Nancy's going to come forward and read for us from 1 Kings chapter 8, from verse 22 down to verse 54. Then King Solomon summoned into his presence at Jerusalem the elders of Israel, all the heads of the tribes and the chiefs of the Israelite families to bring up the Ark of the Lord's Covenant from Zion, the city of David. All the men of Israel came together to King Solomon at the time of the festival of the month of Athiam, the seventh month. When all the elders of Israel had arrived, the priests took up the Ark and they brought up the Ark of the Lord and the tent of meeting and all the sacred furnishings in it. The priests and Levites carried them up and King Solomon and the entire assembly of Israel that had gathered about him were before the Ark sacrificing so many sheep and cattle that they could not be recorded or counted. The priests then brought the Ark of the Lord's Covenant to its place in the inner sanctuary of the temple, the most holy place, and put it beneath the wings of the cherubim. The cherubim spread their wings over the place of the Ark and overshadowed the Ark and its carrying poles. These poles were so long that their ends could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but not from outside the holy place, and they are still there today. There was nothing in the ark except the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where the Lord made a covenant with the Israelites after they came out of Egypt. Then the priests withdrew from the holy place, the cloud filled the temple of the Lord, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. Then Solomon said, The Lord has said that he, he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. While the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned round and blessed them. Then he said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his own hand has fulfilled what he promised with his own mouth to my father David. For he said, Since the day I brought my people, Israel, out of Egypt, I have not chosen a city in any tribe of Israel to have a temple built for my name to be there, but I have chosen David to rule my people Israel. My father David had it in his heart to build a temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father, David, because it was in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did dwell to have this in your heart. Nevertheless, you are not the one to build the temple, but your son, who is your own flesh and blood, he is the one who will build the temple for my name. The Lord has kept the promise he had made, I have succeeded David, my father, and now I sit on the throne of Israel, just as the Lord promised, and I have built the temple for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. I have provided a place there for the ark, in which is the covenant of the Lord that he made with our fathers when he brought them out of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the whole assembly of Israel, spread out his hands towards heaven and said, O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you, in heaven above or on earth below, 
you who keep your covenant of love with your servants, who continue wholeheartedly in your way. You have kept your promise to your servant David, my father. With your mouth you have promised, and with your hand you have fulfilled it, as it is today. Now, Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant David, my father, the promises you made to him when you said, You shall never fail to have a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons are careful in all they do to walk before me as you have done. And now, O God of Israel, let your word that you promised your servant David, my father, come true. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heaven, cannot contain you. How much less this simple temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. O Lord my God, hear the city and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open towards this temple night and day, this place of which you said, My name shall be there, so that you will hear the prayer your servant prays towards this place. Hear the supplication of your servant and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. When a man wrongs his neighbour and is required to take an oath, and he comes and swears the oath before your altar in this temple. Then hear from heaven and act. Judge between your servants, condemning the guilty and bringing down on his own head what he has done. Declare the innocent not guilty, and so establish his innocence. When your people Israel have been defeated by an enemy because they have sinned against you, and when they turn back to you and confess your name, praying and making supplication to you in this temple, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your people Israel and bring them back to the land you gave to their fathers. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because your people have sinned against you and when they pray towards this place and confess your name and turn from their sin because you have afflicted them, then hear from heaven and forgive the sin of your servants, your people Israel. Teach them the right way to live and send rain on the land you gave your people for an inheritance. When famine or plague comes to the land or blight or mildew, locusts or grasshoppers or when an enemy besieges them in any of their cities, whatever disaster or disease may come and when a prayer or plea is made by any of your people, Israel, each one aware of the afflictions of his own heart, and spreading out his hands towards this temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place, forgive and act, deal with each man according to all he does, since you know his heart, for you alone know the hearts of all men, so that they will fear you all the time they live in the land you gave our fathers. As for the foreigner who does not belong to your people, Israel, but has come from a distant land because of your name, for men will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards his temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people Israel and may know that this house I have built bears your name. When your people go to war against their enemies wherever you send them and when they pray to the Lord towards the city, 
you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name. Then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to his own land far away or near, and if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent and plead with you in the land of their conquerors and say, We have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And if they turn back to you with all their heart and soul in the land of their enemies who took them captive, and they pray to you towards the land you gave their fathers, towards the city you have chosen, and the temple I have built for your name, then from heaven your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea, and uphold their cause, and forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the, offense, all the offenses they have committed against you, and cause their conquerors to show them mercy. For they are your people and your inheritance, whom you brought out of Egypt, out of that iron-smelting furnace. May your eyes be open to your servant's plea and to the plea of your people Israel. And may you listen to them whenever they cry out to you, for you singled them out from all the nations of the world to be your own inheritance, just as you declared through your servant Moses when you, O Sovereign Lord, brought our fathers out of Egypt. When Solomon had finished all these prayers and supplications to the Lord, he rose from before the altar of the Lord, where he had been kneeling with his hands spread out towards heaven. Thank you, Nancy. Did you see that? The glory of the Lord fills his temple. And the glory of the Lord fills us too. Let's conclude in singing, Lord of all hopefulness, Lord of all joy, whose trust ever childlike, no cares could destroy. Great Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you for today, for this time to come and turn our face to you and to think about you. Lord, there's lots of times in our life when we don't call on your name. When we're in a mess, when the mess we've made is of our undoing and is so, so deep, we're ashamed to turn our face to call to you. And other times, Lord, the blessings you give us, the, the confidence you put in our step, the, the friends and things you surround us with, Make us, allow us somehow to trust in ourselves and forget to reach out our hands to you. Father, I pray, whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, that we'll be able to, to reach out to you, to call on your name, like a small child, in such a simple way to trust you Lord and to look to your face and to call on you so that your name can be honoured so that all the people in the world can maybe look and see your hand in our lives and honour you and give you glory so Father go with us now as we leave this room and help us Lord help us to always call on your name 
We ask these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.